Welcome to the Catholic Single Mothers Podcast. We're a vibrant faith-based community called Momentum for Single Mothers. During our time together, we'll hear stories and messages of hope. If you're a single mother and want to learn more about our retreats, meetings, and activities, please visit MomentumMothers.org. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Talitha. I'm one of the co-founders and executive director of Momentum. I'm so pleased and excited to welcome Josephine to our podcast today. Hi, Josephine. Hi, Talitha. It's so good to be here. So um, Josephine is a single mom, a dedicated nurse by profession, and a resilient cancer survivor. Her unwavering, unwavering faith in God serves as the foundation for her strength and positivity. So I'm really grateful that you're here to hear more about your journey of perseverance and love and hope in the pursuit of a fulfilling life. It's nice to be here, Thalita, and thanks for giving me this opportunity to be here to share my story, my journey so far, and my faith in God. Well, thank you for being with us. So do you want to start maybe just talking a bit about your background, a little bit about your story? Um, I'm originally from Nigeria, and I come from a very large family, um, a family of 11 kids, but the, our house was always filled with kids because my parents basically raised a whole lot of kids, you know, aside the 11 of us. So I come from a very, very um, big family and filled with a lot of love and I mean, the arts kids, we, we will fight, and then at the end of the day, you know, everybody makes up, and we we all share meals and every other thing together. And um, I'm number 10 of the 11 kids. It's um, So you can imagine how many people ahead of me. I just have a younger brother, but it feels like I'm the last one because he's, like, a bit bossy. <laughs> Growing up, he was a bit bossy. But... Um, um, uh, my family is it's, um, deeply rooted in the Catholic faith. Um, we grew up uh, with our dad making sure, or would I say my, our parents making sure that we always went to church on Sunday. If there's anything in church, we have to attend. So you start getting ready for church from Saturday because he will make sure that you don't go late. Like, my dad would make sure you don't go late to church. So, um, also growing up, we learned from our parents that having faith in God is very essential mm-hmm. in life. It's um, something that you have to do no matter what's going on with you. You have to have faith in God. So, we, at an early age, we learned about perseverance and faith in God, you know, to see us through whatever we're going through. Mm-hmm. And I'm reaping the benefits of that now as an adult. And with what life has been throwing at me, all of that background that I was given, it's really helping me out now. Mm. So I have a daughter, um, Faith. She, she just turned 18. And um, it's been quite a journey as a single mom. But we try to do the best we can on a daily basis, and I try to teach her perseverance like my parents taught me. Also, um, to make sure that she doesn't 
um, deviate from having faith in God because there's so much going on in the world right now and so many things put out there, especially for teenagers and kids. So I try to uh, make sure that she's not getting the wrong message, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's been um, a little bit of a journey up until beginning of 2023 when um, I was told that um, what I was experiencing um, on my right breast area um, ended up being um, a cancerous cell. So um, that kind of changed so many things for me. Mm. It kind of made me stop paying attention to the little bitty things that I wasn't paying attention to before now. Um, it's been quite an odious journey going through treatments and doing so many other things, having so many changes in my life. So, but... Um, through it all, I, I haven't lost faith in God because mm-hmm. I know that he's always there for me. When you said you started paying attention more to the smaller things, well, what do you, can you elaborate a bit on, on what your experience was with that? Yes. Um, you know how sometimes we just, when we wake up, we might just say a little prayer and go off doing stuff that we need to do for the day. Um, I started paying attention to the fact that getting up each day is a gift. Being alive and well is a huge gift that we can get that money really can't buy. So I started paying attention to the fact that me being able to wake up each day is a precious gift to me, and it could only be by the grace of God because someone could go to sleep and not wake up. So having that opportunity to wake up every day kind of told me that, hey, you can't be taking this for granted anymore. And also going through, um, I've had since February of um, 23, I've had two surgeries. I had first, the first one was a lumpectomy that they had to do to take out um, the cell that was in one spot on the right. And then they had to go back in and clean it out again. So the second um, pathology that they did, they told me, well, um, it looks like we just have to take the whole thing out. So that hit me so hard. I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, even being complete as a woman, I always kind of looked at it as just one of those things. But then having to make a decision to lose a part of me, what makes me, part of what makes me a woman, um, it kind of hit me so hard. So I decided that, okay, if that's what's going to keep me healthy, I'm just going to let go. You know, But it wasn't an easy decision to make. So they said on the right, and I thought about it, I prayed about it, 
And I just have to point out that when I was given the diagnosis, I, um, I didn't cry. I didn't scream. But there was one thing that the doctor told me that same day that he told me, he gave me the news. He said, listen, I'm going to try the best I can to make sure that you're okay. You're not going to be fighting alone. That alone kind of gave me some degree of reassurance that I'm not going to be fighting this fight alone. So when I stepped out of his office that day, I went into my car. I was numb. I was quiet. I knew it was time to talk to God, you know. And after staying quiet, it was as if I was trying to listen to God, you know, to talk to me. I wanted to hear him talk to me to let me know that it's going to be okay. So I, I stayed in my car for like 10, 12 minutes. And then as I just said, God, all I can think about now is my daughter. I, I don't know how she's going to manage if, if I don't win this fight. But all I'm asking is for you to give me the grace to fight and to win this. And I want to leave to tell the story of what having faith in you can do and what you giving me hope can do. So how was your relationship with your daughter during that time when you got the diagnosis and, and that whole process that you had to go through? Well, um, we, we've always been very close. I tell her stuff and she tells me stuff. She's quite open, you know. She would tell me whatever that is bothering her. But it was a bit difficult for me to tell her because I know that um, she's told me stories of her friends in Texas that have lost their moms through you know, breast cancer or something else. So it was a bit, and I know how she feels whenever she tells me about those things, and it was difficult for me. So, but I got, I got the news, and the part of the news to do, okay, at first it was that it was a, a cell that, that could be cancerous at first, so they had to do a pathology test on what they brought out from there. And they were able to determine what kind of cell it was and what kind. So I told her that, that, oh, they're going to take out a cell that, so instead of it growing into a cancerous cell, that was the first thing I told her. She's like, okay, whatever you have to do to get rid of it, it's fine. I'm here with you. And then later when they told me that I needed, I needed to do a mastectomy, it was difficult for me to tell her because I knew she was going to start panicking that, oh, this, this is more than I thought it, it was going to be. So, and it was about the same time we had gone for uh, the retreat at the camp. The momentum retreat. The momentum retreat, yes. So I had to speak to the... Um, What's the name? The lady, um, I think she's a psychologist or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. So I had to speak to her. 
and um, she she told me that you know I really have to talk to her and explain things to her. So, mm-hmm. and then I decided that okay, um, through the retreat, I had to do prayers towards that because I needed the strength to be able to break the news to her and also the strength to be able to do it. So eventually I told her and luckily my um my sister and her daughter had visited at the time. So I spoke to my sister about it and she was like, "Okay." So we started kind of planning on how to coordinate things because since it's just my daughter and I here, no other family member, so we started planning to see how things were going to get coordinated and also to get support for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then we decided that, okay, my, whenever I'm going to have the surgery, my niece was going to come because she's the, both of them are close. So she could provide support for her, be able to encourage her. So that was how um, I was able to break the news to her. And also, she didn't have to really panic so much about it. You had a plan in place. Yes, we had a plan in place. So that was how she was able to, um, I would say, manage the news. It's nice that you had support from family, you know, during that time because it's, it's, you need that support. Just even having that conversation with your daughter, it's so hard to have. I can't even imagine having a conversation like that with one of my children. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you had some support from family. Are you comfortable, and we can come back to this, are you comfortable sharing a little bit about how you became a single mom? So, um, I first, I got married, um, it would be sometime September of, um, uh, 1995, yes, 1995, so, um, that was back in Nigeria, and, um, the first few years were they were okay, but then when a woman is not able to have a child um, in a marriage, where I come from, from you know my culture, it seems to be a woman's problem and not it's never from the man, you know, no matter what you know the situation is and. Um, so that situation went on like that for years, for years, even though we tried um, so many things, but it was never, it, the effort was more from me than from him. So, but in an African setup, especially where I come from, it's it's usually, the in-laws would really like give the woman hell for lack of a better you know explanation or or time to explain it they would give the woman hell because they feel that 
is is the fault of the women. So um, this kept on going on for so long. I prayed from the time I got married till the time I had my daughter. It was a space of ten years, and those in those ten years, I could tell you that every midnight I prayed to God for a child. Every midnight I got up and prayed to God for a child. It was, there were times when the prayers would, you know, I would say in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and it's going to be crying all through, you know. And then sometimes I remember how in the book of Psalms, how David always said that God saw his tears and restored his health and everything. So I felt that God was seeing my tears, that at some point he was going to respond. And then that perseverance I told you I got from my parents, that background I got from my parents and faith in God came into play a lot within this space of 10 years. So eventually, the marriage just couldn't, it just couldn't work anymore because there was so much um, animosity and so much attack from his side of the family without actually trying to know what the truth was about the whole thing. So eventually... um, we got divorced, and um, then I met somebody else. But it seemed like it was the same African setup, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I just couldn't go through that twice. I couldn't. I couldn't. It was like the whole family was like, oh, uh, our brother, our brother, our brother, and never wanted to look at me as someone you know, that could potentially be a sister to them as well. So it was very, it was very difficult. And um, he said, oh, yeah, Um, we were actually going to get married. He went to, you know, meet my dad and all that. But with what was going on around us, I decided that this wasn't going to work because I I don't want to go through the same hell over and over again. So um, by then I was already pregnant with my daughter. I said, well, God, if this is the gift you're giving me, I accept it with open arms. So he's, he's been in my daughter's life, but not as present you know, as he should be. But that's okay. We're, we're good. We're in a good place. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you. It's... Uh it's, it's um, you can see how much you've been through and just uh, your journey and how much, like you said, the values, the, the what you learned from your parents of perseverance and trust have really come into play in different experiences that you've had. I'm struck hearing you talk, just all the challenging things you've been through. And it seems like this recent experience, what you went through was a very challenging experience and something that really has struck you and and changed you in a profound way. 
Do you want to share more about just what's changed in you? Um, I would say the number one thing that has changed in me is the way I look at God and who he is in my life. Because um, through this whole thing, um, I've come to realize that um, I haven't placed value to who God is as much as I should have all these years. So having gone through this journey, still going through it, um, with your cancer diagnosis. With my cancer diagnosis, it's um I I feel that it's I don't want to say say it in a negative way, but I feel that it's something God brought to me to make me a better person to bring him closer to him. Because all through the time since they told me that they give me the diagnosis Till now, I haven't asked God why. Reason being because I know he cannot give me a burden that I can't carry. He's a faithful God. He's a loving father. And he cannot give me something that I can't handle. So I've never asked why me. And even if I ask why me, why would it be somebody else? You know? So I said, I had that discussion in my car that day saying, okay, it is what it is, but I need you to just give me the strength. Just give me the strength to carry on. Whatever it is that you have destined for me, and I need you to give me the grace to see it. So, for instance, when um, I had, I decided um, to do a double mastectomy instead of one because I didn't want something looming over my head. I didn't want to keep thinking that, oh, maybe it's gone to the other breast. I didn't want to deal with all that. And I wanted to deal with the pain once and for all. So when I did the surgery, the uh, double mastectomy, which would be my third surgery, since the diagnosis, um, the pain was excruciating. It was excruciating. I've never known that kind of pain before. Um, I went from never being sick to that. So it was the, it has been the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced. I don't even think that having my daughter was that painful. <laughs> so, but when I was going through that pain, I had um, Divine Mercy picture on my wall. The Divine Mercy picture? Yes. I had that on my wall. And each time the pain was so much, because when they did the surgery, I had two tubes hanging by the side and, you know, the pain from the incision and all that. It was just too much. And each time I look at that picture, I would say, Jesus, I trust in you. And I know that the rays coming from your heart can give me relief. Please, I need your help. And each time I said that, 
it was as if someone was just putting a hand on my back, rubbing my back to say, it's okay. You can rest now. It's okay. So, and each time that happens, I just drift off to sleep and I sleep so peacefully. That opened my eyes to what God can do. He can come alive when we present our case to him. And going through all that also opened my eyes to the hope that Jesus can give us in whatever situation we're in, no matter what it is. Um, for instance, I um, the day I went for the surgery, I I prayed. Well, as soon as I got into into the theater, I prayed that God should send the angels to be around the doctors, and I did not want any mistake, you know. And um, I said, Jesus, go ahead of me with your angels. Just be there. Just guide them through whatever it is that they have to do. And before they put me to sleep, I kid you not, it felt like there was a glow in that room because I was still saying prayers inside of me. And they were like, are you ready? You know, I said a little prayer when the anesthesiologist told me, uh, asked me if I was ready. I said a little prayer and it felt like the room was lit up with some kind of floodlight. It, it, it had a different feel to it. I said, Jesus, it's time for me to do this now. So watch over me because I don't have control over what they're going to do. I'm going to be sleeping, so I don't know. But just guide them through. And I told the man, yes, I'm ready. Yeah. And looking back on all those things tells me that he was never far from me. He's still, he's still around. It's just for me to call on him. And I would know that he's still there for me. You know, no matter what the situation is, he's always present. He's always, always present. And another instance is when <laughs> after my surgery, the day after my surgery, oh, wow, it was so amazing. Um, I don't know what happened. For some reason, food started coming from every angle. My niece that came to stay with me at that time, she was so overwhelmed. Because I was, you know, like still in pain, still a bit groggy from the anesthesia and all that. But she came to my room and said, Auntie, I don't know where all this food is coming from. All these women are knocking on the door and bringing so much food. I don't even know where, where to put the food anymore, you know. So God has been doing so many things that are a bit um, mysterious to me in the sense that he tells me every day that I'm not walking on this journey alone. Mm -hmm. He's there with me. Mm -hmm. And there's still hope for better things to come. Mm -hmm. if, if only I can trust him. Could you put into words, and I know it might be hard to put into words, but when you said that this experience has 
helped you value God more. Is there, could you elaborate on that a bit more? God has seen me through so many things that if I go by what I'm getting, it's not, it wouldn't cut it. But he's made provisions for me from different places that I least expected. And I always tell him, I said, Father, I don't, I don't have the means to make this happen, but you alone can make it happen. You're the impossibility specialist. You can make it happen. And each time I feel like if I, you know, lay my case before him, he takes care of it. He's coming to life for me. It's not just, I'm not just praying and maybe expecting, but I'm praying and seeing it happen. So it's, it's, um, it's mind-blowing for me sometimes. And I, sometimes when I hear people talk that, oh, they pray to God and they don't see answers, you have to pray and believe that he's there. He can do it. Mm-hmm. We, I think sometimes we put limits to what God can do. What I hear when you're talking is uh, it's like your relationship with God has become much more alive, more intimate, just, yeah, alive. It's- every day, I tell you, Talita, every day I experience something amazing that God is doing. Okay, for instance, um, in December, there's, um, there's a lady I know, and she told my story to somebody else. And the person she told the story to felt the need to reach out to me and help me. And that help is not just the monetary value attached to it, but it has impacted my life in, in a huge way, telling me that God's hand is on me. He's still doing a lot. He's still using people to do a lot for me. It's my relationship, like you said, is, is coming alive on a daily basis. And I believe that as God's own children, if we invest in his work, he will come through for us whenever we need him. Um, sometime 2017, 2018, I used to volunteer in the church that I used to go to, St. Michael's in, in Gallon, Texas. I used to volunteer in that church. I would sweep the church, like Saturdays that I, because I used to work every other Saturday. So the Saturdays that I'm free, I would go and sweep the entire church. And as I'm sweeping, um, sometimes I would play my music. I'll put my phone in my pocket as I'm sweeping, you know, just playing gospel music. And I, it was always an alone time we got. It was always because there's nobody there. The very early Saturday morning, um, I would do that. And one Saturday, I didn't know the priest, <laughs> the parish priest there came in through the back door and was looking and he was hearing something and he saw me dancing and sweeping at the same time. He was looking. I didn't even know. I'm sure he must have stayed there for like 10 minutes or more. 
And then I turned around and saw him. I'm like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> How long has he been standing there? So he looked and then closed the door. He didn't say anything. But those times that I was doing that, I was asking God for so many things, to change so many things, because I got tired of just waking up, going to work, coming back, and not not adding anything to, you know, humanity. I'm like, God, you have to show me how or what to do. And I also used to um, volunteer at the food pantry, you know. And volunteering at the food pantry is, is something that I believe everybody should experience because you will meet people. When you meet people and talk to them and they tell you their story, you will get to appreciate whatever it is God is doing for you, you appreciate it more. You know, because when you hear people talk um, and you reevaluate your own situation, you will know that, oh, okay, my situation is not that bad after all. God has been, you know, faithful and he's been gracious to me. So that, all that taught me a lesson. But, now, looking back, I felt that I invested in God's work. I invested in doing things for him. Now it's time he's doing all that. Giving it, yes. Reaping, yes. He's giving it back to me. I know the message of hope is important to you, and uh, we often end the podcast just asking the guests, is there one message of hope that you would want to convey to those listening, and especially in this case, to single moms who might be going through something very challenging, whether it's something with their health or another situation, is there a message of hope that you would want to convey to them? One message I would love to leave with everyone is you have to trust God that he is able to do anything for you and trusting God is also knowing his word knowing his promises his promises are all in the Bible for us they're all in the Bible for us because if you know his word you can hold him on his promise to you that oh father you promised that as your child, you're going to do this for me. You're, you're going to do this for me. You hold him on his word. And when you challenge him with his word, he's going to come through. As long as you trust him. As long as you trust him, there's no limits to what he can do for you as his child. He knows all that we're going through. What's left for us is to call on him and say, Father, please. Help me. I'm at my wit's end. Help me. I, I give up. I give up the power. I give it all to you. I lay it down before your feet. Please take over. Because he says that we should come unto him with our burden. And he's going to lift our burden. So there's always hope when we trust him. You would always get answers. But you have to know how to ask and believe when you ask you have to believe that he's going to do it for you 
So no matter what, he's the impossibility specialist. He can do all things. And he loves us no matter what. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah. And I know that you wanted to read a, a prayer. Yes. Yeah. I would love to um, read the prayer from um, St. Padre Pio for those who are sick. Um, you know, sickness to me is not just for the body. It's the mind, the soul, everything, every aspect of one's life. So um, I just pray that this, this prayer is going to help us all in little ways that we want God to do things for us. So um, as I pray this prayer for myself, I pray for everyone else out there who is listening. All right, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to the world to save and set me free. I trust in your power and grace that sustain and restore me. Loving Father, touch me now with your healing hands, for I believe that your will is for me to be well in mind, body, soul, and spirit. Cover me with the most precious blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Cast anything that should not be in me. Root out any unhealthy and abnormal cells. Open any blocked arteries or veins and rebuild and replenish any damaged areas. Remove all inflammation and cleanse any infection by the power of Jesus' precious blood. Let the fire of your healing love pass through my entire body to heal and make new my any diseased areas so that my body will function the way you created it to function. Touch also my mind and my emotion, even the deepest recess of my heart. Saturate my entire being with your presence, love, joy, and peace, and draw me ever closer to your every moment of my life, to you every moment of my life. And Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to do your works so that my life will bring glory and honor to your holy name. I ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I just had one more question too before we end. Um, when you were talking about um, trusting God, you were saying that when we pray to God, we have to believe. What would you say to someone who's struggling to believe? Um, for someone who is struggling to believe, um, I would say, Tell him that, Father, you need him to show you that he's really there for you. I know it's, it's difficult when maybe um, you're praying and you're not seeing results. You're not seeing what you're asking for. I've been there, done that. But I figured that 
maybe I wasn't asking either not asking the right way or not believing enough. Because if you want something to work for you, you have to have some degree of trust. That is trying to control the way he answers it. Yes, yes, because um, we we also make the mistake of wanting certain things to work a particular way, but maybe at the end of the day, that's not how God wants it. Just allow Him to do His thing at his at His own time. You will get to find out that what he has planned for you is a much better plan than what you have in mind. So I know I totally understand when one is struggling to to believe or trust God. It's in the face of adversity especially. It's it's not an easy thing to do. But say, Father, I know you are real. Just help me with this. Show me that you're here with me and for me. And then you'll see what will happen. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank you, Josephine, for being with us today. My pleasure. We'll we'll all keep you in our prayers. Thank you, everyone, for joining our podcast today. If you're a single mother and would like to know more information about Momentum, please visit our website at MomentumMothers.org. God bless, and see you next time on the Catholic Single Mothers Podcast.